episode 19 pain, uh, painful decisions and sustainable futures the date is january 30th 2024 i'm ravenheart i'm kodax and uh so um what, what are we buying what are we playing i haven't bought anything or played anything new worth reporting in the last week so yeah i got some stuff coming up soon Looking forward to the Grand Blue Fantasy Relink launch later this week, so oh, right. we'll be playing that. But uh, until then, uh, I've got nothing to report. All right, um, I played more Scarlet version um, and the DLC Part One, okay. to be specific. You wrapping up? Wrapping it up. Okay. Um, so the uh, three, what are they called? The loyal, the loyal three. The loyal three, I um, think. They came back to life. Yep. I went and battled all, all three of them already. Uh, came back to the village. Okay. Everybody changed their minds about what they believed for okay. hundreds of years. Oh, so you fought them, like, captured them? No. You haven't done that yet? No, okay. no. Um, when they're all huge. Oh, okay. Right. And like then, when they're, like, boss Yeah, form. they're boss. Yeah, okay. exactly. They have the boss health bar and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was cool. I, I enjoyed that. I don't play Pokemon for the story. I... You know, okay. you can like the story just fine. I do see, like, I don't know, I had a problem with, like, just everybody changing their minds. The after, village. Yeah, in the village. Um, just, you know, willy-nilly because some kid ran around. Okay. Some derpy kid ran around. So um, what have they changed their mind on? Now they're on the side of Ogre Pond? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, they all just... Because the whole game was building up to, like, what I thought would be, like, an exile scene or something. Because... Oh, okay. It just kept going on about how much the village hates the ogre. Right. And if you were seen or, you know, you are you were talking positive about the ogre, like you would make enemies or something. Right. And then... Yeah, they're you, not like, uh, they're not like, uh, cave people. You no, know? <laughs> I, I know that. Um, but I don't know. It was just a little... I mean, there could have been more to sure. To that. I agree. I mean, at the in the end of the day, it's a, still a kids' game, so it's like it is going to be simple. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um. But anyways, I mean, for me, when I talk about the story, I'm talking more like the personal character stories, right? Rather than like the overarching. Scenarios. Yeah. What the you know, what the villagers are thinking. Yeah, I got it. Um. But yeah, so that's where I'm at now. Battled all three. Came back to the village. Everybody changed their minds. Um, and now I'm leading Ogre Pond back to his den. Okay. And I haven't gotten there yet, so I'm sure okay. something will happen once I get yeah. there. Yeah. There's a turning point for okay. some of the DLC characters. Nice. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I'm playing right now. Okay. Well, what have we been up to? So, I have an announcement um, I'm going to be starting a new segment on this podcast, starting with the next episode, episode 20, um, where I'm going to be sharing my development diaries throughout the week on Seraphim and discussing them and 
keeping you guys posted with where I'm at and what I'm doing as far as development on Seraphim because I am coming back in from what was basically a two-year hiatus where I just took time away from the game because I was just too burned out uh, to go work on just some unrelated art projects and get my mind off of it right. to the point where I was burning for it again, okay. know, hung, hungry for it again, uh, and I'm well at that point. So um, I'm really excited about this. Yeah, I think it could prove to be beneficial for you. I think the listeners will enjoy kind of being part of the journey. Um, and, uh, I think nothing but good can come out of this. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, I think it's going to help keep me accountable as a developer, which, you know, discipline and stuff, of course, being a solo dev has been a factor. You'll have to talk, yeah, about that. And, um, also too, it's, it's going to, you know, more people are going to hear about it. There's just a lot of positives to come from this. Right. And this is going to start on a milestone episode, episode 020. Yep, that's that's what I wanted. I wanted it to be like a you know easy-to-remember episode where sure. this gets started. Right, so if anyone's ever curious, we're going to be like, oh, you can listen to my story starting on episode 20. Exactly. Isn't that crazy, dude? We're almost at a quarter of a hundred episodes. Yeah, we are just plugging away that's crazy we're really like, going to town that's like that kind of blows my mind that we're almost at 25 already but we've got to get through all of february to get to 25 right so you have some stuff that you've been doing uh yeah so i was at the bandai namco card games fest world tour 2023 to 2024 mm-hmm. and this was held in los angeles at the convention center um so what this was is for Bandai has multiple card games. There are, I think, four big ones right now are Digimon, One Piece card game, um, something called Battle Spirit Saga or Battle Saga Spirits. I'm mm-hmm. not totally sure. And then the other one is a new one that's coming out soon called Union Arena. Um, I've not heard of these. Yeah. So, I mean, these are collectible card games. Right. Um, so you can play them, collect them, whatever. Um, and I registered because I was interested in the Digimon thing. It was a free event. I said, what the heck? Why not go? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went and it was really cool. I've never seen, I mean, it had an air of the Pokemon World Championships. Did you go to that when it was in Anaheim? Uh, yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it felt like that. Uh, but there was like a show floor area as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I had originally registered as a spectator mm-hmm. and then I got this like, uh, this like notification on my Bandai Namco trading card game account. <laughs> okay. That yeah, they have like a whole app just for their TCG. Wow. Um, and it said, "Hey, seats have opened up at the finals. Spectators can apply to get a seat at the finals." So I was like, "Okay, why not?" So I, in my head, I'm thinking like, "Oh, if you want to go to the final match or whatever on the stage, right? That's what I have that to have a like. seat." That's what, that's what I would think So I applied for it, and apparently I won the lottery to go have a seat at the finals. But what that actually meant is that I had become a player. Oh, wow. At the tournament, <laughs> which I was unaware of. Um, what? So uh, I did not actually play, but, okay. but like I submitted information because I was like, well, I mean... Why not? There are extra benefits to being a player at this event. Mm-hmm. Right. You get extra 
packs. You get to pick up your badge early. You get to go to the event earlier in the day. So I was like, well, you know, why not? I can just go to the event. And I would have threw a deck together real quick. Um, just... Yeah, maybe I could have bought a starter deck and yeah. just like tried my hand. I mean, <laughs> right. I have no idea how to play. Um, so anyways, I gave someone a free win because I did not show up for my match. Oh, wow. <laughs> So I hope that helped that guy get a little closer to wherever, whatever oh, wow. stage he ended up at. That's a crazy story. Um, but the event itself was cool, except when I showed up at 8 in the morning, the activities that they have planned on the show floor area, for whatever reason, they're like, oh no, um, the scavenger hunt was the main thing where you could go and take part in these activities, get a stamp. And what, get like one year at PAX, they did something like that, where it was a scavenger hunt okay. and had a card. Do you remember this? And you got stamped. Um, oh, okay, you're thinking of maybe the the monster hunter thing, where you I, had to. I think that collect was the badges yeah. from the the people who were labeled as monster carriers. That might be it. I thought we were looking for specific things though on the floor, but anyways, um, carry on. I mean, yeah, it's not uncommon for people to do stamp rally kinds of things um, at events like this. Um, So I got there at 8 thinking I would do the stamp rally immediately, get all that done, and then just enjoy the stage presentations and things like that. Mm. But no, I basically had to wait around until 1 in the afternoon, which was the same time that they let all the spectators in. So at the same time as the spectators entering the venue Mm -hmm. and the stamp rally starting. So now you have all the players and all the spectators trying to do the stamp rally at the same time. When they could have already had all the players be done with the stamp rally ahead of time. And I'm not kidding you. 30 minutes before the stamp rally began, I saw the the people in the white Bandai card game. Really cool jackets. I wish I could get one. The staff jackets. Um... They were, like, figuring out, like, okay, we're going to have them line up here. Like, they didn't have line management figured yeah. out. And it ended up being a nightmare. I got it done, like, immediately, though, within, like, 30 minutes. Because I was, like, waiting, yeah. you know, to start the stamp rally. Um, but within an hour of the stamp rally beginning, it had turned into a cluster F. Yeah. Uh, for lack of a better term. We've seen that all too many times yeah. at events. And I am just like, who who thought it was a good idea to hold off on starting the stamp rally until 1? Yeah. Like, so they actually sent me an email today asking for my feedback. So <laughs> I will let them know that, hey, if you guys do this again, you know, why, why did you do that? Don't right. do that again. <laughs> know where the line is going to go in advance. Plan yeah. the venue around the line like where the people will wait because yeah lines were colliding lines were being told to move and then they're like who told you to move you should have stayed over here yeah you gotta love that yeah where you have multiple staff people having people line up for the same thing in different spots yeah so that got to be pretty bad yeah um but i do have a little bit of stuff i wanted to pass along to you okay some collectible trash oh nice i don't have it's in this drawer i don't want to make a yeah. bunch of noise and pull it out but we'll i'll give it, it to later. you before you leave um i was going to ask since it was a bandai namco event were there any video games like on demonstration or anything like that no they had trailers playing at like the live stage and at some of the booths for like upcoming video games and mm-hmm. things like that but beyond that there was nothing playable it's interesting it was advertised as being a bandai 
Card Game Festival, oh. not Bandai Namco really? Card Game okay. Festival. What's interesting, though, is that this new game they have coming out called Union Arena, mm-hmm. um, it's not based around one like Bandai property. Mm-hmm. Essentially what they're doing, it's already, it's, this card game's been out in Japan for since last year, I think. Okay. So uh, they're just now bringing it to in, in English for the first time in March. Basically, there's different sets will be themed around different Bandai properties. And um, so, like, some of their animes that they own, like manga, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. then they also have a card set in Japan already for the latest Tales of game. Oh, okay. So they will be incorporating, like, video game stuff into their this card, card game. game. So okay. that's kind of interesting. Um, but, yeah, it's like each set it will, is, like, themed around a different Bandai property. Gotcha. Um, but overall, the event was pretty cool. I would definitely go back again. But yeah, that was the Bandai Namco Card Games Fest World Tour. Well, that's a crazy story um, <laughs> that you became a player in the tournament. Yeah, un- unknowingly. Well. Right. Um, so I have one other thing um, that I was doing just this morning. I was on a, a web conference call with... Uh, some people from a certain console holder. Oh, you had mentioned you were doing this last week. I, I, yes, that's right. And what it was was basically an expert from their different departments, um, all surrounding publishing. Mm-hmm. So localization team uh, or, or the department within like FQA that handles like multiple regions, territories, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, hardware, publishing, a lot of marketing like three different marketing people for different parts of marketing. Okay. Um, and it was just an hour of Q and a, okay. Really so it. they didn't do any kind of presentation. It was just like, put they, your questions in. They had a PowerPoint presentation and they had their zoom cameras on. Uh-huh. Um, but they, the slides really just displayed, um, pre-submitted questions, uh, which okay. I didn't even know people could uh, okay. pre-submit their questions. Those questions got answered. Everyone else's questions went into the chat, uh-huh. and they answered as many as they could within the hour. Oh, and then, oh only one hour. That's pretty brief. Yeah, that is pretty brief. I do feel like it could have been an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, my questions, I, I dropped two questions. One, I wanted to know if leaderboards needed to live on a server owned by them, okay. or if they could live on... The developer's virtual private server. Okay, um, that's something I need to know like as early as possible. All right. Um, my other question was anything about physical publishing? No, I didn't ask about that. Okay. Um, I maybe I should have just to, just so they hear interest in it. Right. You know? I should have. Yeah, I should have yeah. thought that way. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> um, the next one's going to be in March. Okay. So I'll be... You go to, they go haven't, like, one. decided on a date, but okay. I will be attending that for sure. Um, my other question for them was asking what the best course of action is for a solo developer trying to ultimately launch in multiple territories. Okay. And um, specifically, do is it is it true that it is required that you have a physical location or address in the said territory. That can't be. Right. Yeah. Um, I heard that, though, back in the day. Right. Like, that was a few years ago, obviously. Um, because then no indie games could publish anywhere but the country that you, they're made in. You would need a publisher. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't be able to self-publish other than, like, North America or wherever you're yeah, from. Yeah, I would think it would make it as easy as possible because... 
We'll have to bleep that. Uh, okay. Uh, well, Sony, Nintendo, Xbox, anybody right. publishing games right. would want to make it as easy as possible for their developers to sell their game. One would think, yeah, right. one one would think that that's, but that's we we know that that's not always their thought process. But I mean, just think about it logically. Like, if you sell copies of their game yeah. or your game, they make money, right? So you think they just make it, upload it once. And anywhere where there's language for it, you can select and we'll publish it in that store on your behalf. Right. And I think things have moved in that direction a lot more than, you know, within like the last five years. Right. Um, But I don't, I don't know specifically what the rules are at this point. Um, Because, you know, like I said, I've been out of it for like two years now. So I am trying to get like educated up with where... Uh, requirements and, and regulations and policies stand now. Well, that's cool. I think it's important for you to be involved in those conversations when they have them. Right. It probably helps to show that you're, like, still actively... An, an active developer, yeah. Right. You know, you don't want, like, your access to get cut off or something. Right. There were a lot of other useful questions other people asked. A lot of people asked about hardware. A lot of people did ask about loaner hardware. Okay. Um... They seem to be more open now okay. than they used to be even uh, with that. Um, a lot of other good questions were asked, and, and it was all beneficial. So cool. I'm glad I attended that, for sure. Um, but uh, did we have something? Oh, yeah. Um, so just as, I guess, as a news piece, um, PlayStation State of Play uh, got announced this morning right. for January 31st. That's this Wednesday. Yep. Uh, two days from now. Yeah, I think they said it's going to be about 40 minutes in length, and they're going to showcase around 15 games, at least 15 games. That's pretty good. That's that's pretty good. State of play, yeah. Uh, I've seen some, like, Sony people teasing it online as being a a big one. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, like a sizable amount of big games and new games are going to be unveiled here, as well as, like, previews on some games that have kind of gone silent for a while right like stellar blade we haven't heard from that game since mm-hmm. the state of play in like september i think it was right um that's going to be there to, on wednesday um so yeah i'm looking forward to that yeah and you know historically nintendo also has their nintendo direct in early february the last several years they've always had a nintendo direct in early february yeah so it's very likely we could be seeing something from them quite soon. It's also kind of a weird year from Nintendo because they're expected to be launching their new console. Right. So they might not really have so much to say quite yet. But right. they do still have some upcoming games. And we'll talk a little bit about Nintendo's new console later yeah. in the show. Yep. Um, but, yeah, so everybody... This uh, is this episode is maybe going to be our most packed episode ever. Yeah, it's going to be a long one. So, so let's jump into the news. So get comfortable. Um, so our first, uh, piece of news coming out of Microsoft, and it's what you'd expect, what we're known for now, um, Microsoft lays off 1,900 employees from its gaming division following the merger with Activision Blizzard. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah. So we have a statement from Xbox head Phil Spencer, the guy ultimately the one calling the shots, Mm -hmm. and calling for these 1,900 people to lose their jobs. So Phil Spencer is the CEO of Microsoft. No, 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 no. no. He's like Xbox. Xbox, yeah. Right. 
My so bad. he's like one of the most important people in Microsoft. Yes. He reports directly to Satya Nadella, oh. I think his name is, the guy who Runs was in charge of Microsoft. Oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I know, relatively speaking, Xbox is not a very big section of Microsoft as a whole. It's kind of a smaller division, right? I mean, it's it's grown, you yeah. could say, oh, oh, with yeah. this merger. Definitely, definitely. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and just uh, read Phil Spencer's statement here. Uh, it's been a little over three months since the Activision Blizzard and King teams joined Microsoft. As we move forward in 2024, the leadership of Microsoft Gaming and Activision Blizzard is committed to aligning on a strategy and an execution plan with a sustainable cost structure that will support the whole of our growing business. Together, we've set priorities, identified areas of overlap, and ensured that we're all aligned on the best opportunities for growth. <laughs> Hence the title of this episode, everyone. Well, so many, there's so much positivity in this yeah. first. Oh yeah, this is the most, I mean, you can't expect anything less than corporate. From but, but this next uh, paragraph yeah, is okay. a little more painful. So here we go. As <laughs> So first, basically, so far, you guys are doing great, we're set for growth, and then we get this. As part of this process, we have made the painful decision to reduce the size of our gaming workforce by approximately 1,900 roles out of the 22,000 people on our team. Pretty big chunk. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes out to, like, 11 percent or something, something like that, that seems to be a running theme too um which doesn't sound as bad as some of the other layoffs we've seen but that's right. still a lot that's of people a lot. that's a lot um the gaming leadership team and i are committed to navigating this process as thoughtfully as possible they're not affected no uh the people who are directly impacted by these reductions have all played an important part in the success of Activision, Blizzard, Zenimax, and the Xbox teams. Uh, and they should be proud of everything they've accomplished here. <laughs> I, you got, I mean, these all read the same every time. Yeah. Um, we are grateful for all of the creativity, passion, and dedication they have brought to our games, our players, and our colleagues. <laughs> Goodbye. Yep. Yeah. Um, we will provide our full support to those who are impacted during the transition, including severance benefits uh, informed by local employment laws. So what were legally required. Exactly. Uh, I can't believe he put that in there. Yeah. Like, why say that? Okay. Uh, those whose roles will be impacted will be notified, and we ask that you please treat your de uh, departing colleagues with the respect and compassion that is consistent with our values. The values that the, led to the, 1,900 yeah, right. people being let go for Just, profit. It's so, like, tone-deaf and self-unaware. Um, looking ahead, we'll continue to invest in areas that will grow our business and support our strategy of bringing more games to more players around the world. Um, although this is a difficult moment for our team, I am as confident as ever in your ability to create and nurture the games, stories, and worlds that bring players together. Phil. Phil Spencer. Oh, he just puts Phil. Yeah, he just puts Phil. He's very personal, yeah. you know. Yeah, very, very basis. relatable, very yeah. down-to-earth. Um, so the same day that Microsoft let go of these 1,900 people, 
the president, CEO of Blizzard Entertainment, Mike Yabara, announced that he would be leaving Blizzard on the same day with the following post on LinkedIn. Now on LinkedIn, guys, this is not a press release. Yeah, this, this is, is just like a personal statement. It's not a tweet. Yeah. And this is, if you thought anything, Phil, Phil Spencer's reply was corporate and cold. <laughs> yeah. But Mike Yabara right here has got to be the most tone-deaf individual I've ever seen. So 1,900 people just lost their job. So real quick, we did say he's the head of Blizzard, right? Well, now former head of Blizzard. Right. But yes, he, he resigned. So he said, It was great to be a part of the team that built Blizzard and Activision over the years. I've decided to transition out now that it's merging with Microsoft. And happy to have helped that succeed. I'll be taking time out for a bit to spend time with family and travel the world. Afterwards, I'll be looking for hyper-growth opportunities with great teams. Yeah. All right, so let's just... I want to dissect this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's so much to talk about. Okay, he talks about how happy he is to have helped the merger succeed. Yeah, the merger that probably is catalyst for all right well he got he probably had so much stock in activision oh yeah so oh he had so much stock let's look at like this on a text um kind of level here okay he's dropping what looks like acronyms to represent activision and microsoft those to me look like 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 uh what are like tick marks yeah exactly they are they're in all caps and everything four letters that's how this guy's brain works oh yeah um and so he's happy to have helped it succeed and by helping it succeed he's basically two thousand of his employees have now been let go yeah uh so and then he'll be taking time to travel the world with his family he wants he wants to let you know that he's well to do and he's going to go have a good time. But afterwards, he'll be looking to join a great team with hyper-growth. Hyper-growth. <laughs> hyper-growth companies only, guys. Yeah, so it's like if you're looking at his thing on LinkedIn and thinking about sending him a message to join your company, yeah. keep in mind... Ma- make sure your company is hyper-growth. There's got to be a lot of money, and it's got to be fast. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, this is him putting out like the, the signal, like, hey... Yeah. Yeah, I'll be oh, back yeah. on the market this is, soon. This is what all departing CEOs kind of do, but to varying degrees. This is wild. Like, you know what's is... crazy to me? What? Is that Phil Spencer and Mike Ybarra were on stage at BlizzCon back in October or November. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, this is so great. This is going to be the most wonderful thing. Phil Spencer's like, I'm so happy to be here. Oh, yeah. The Blizzard family is now part of Microsoft. Right. And he's, you know, they're, everyone is so optimistic about this merger. Right. Everyone was like, this is going to be great for Blizzard employees. This is going to be great for Activision. This is going to be great for Microsoft. Yeah. Turns out it wasn't the case. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, as far as we know here, I mean, this is showing that, okay, nothing, nothing in here is directly stating or proving that these layoffs are in direct result to the merger, but we can infer they most definitely were. I mean, yeah, they don't they don't explicitly state because of the merger, right? I mean, he Phil Spencer does talk about finding overlap, right, and ensuring alignment, right. So I mean, that's that's kind of <laughs> so relatable. That kind of is saying that this is because yeah. of the merger. Yeah. Now. 
I mean, I, I wanted to save it for later after we finish, like, wrap up the story, but I'm going to say it now. Microsoft spent $60 billion something. Yeah, on 69 or something like that. $69 billion to buy Activision Blizzard King. Yes. And this is what they're doing with it. They bought it to fire them all, I guess. Like, yeah. Well, I don't know if you've heard in the news lately, Microsoft is now, like, the most valuable company. Like, it has, like, some insane... In terms of, like, valuation. Yeah, yeah in terms of valuation. Probably just from absorbing so many companies. And then after they announced these layoffs, what do you think happened? Oh, yeah, their stock went up yep. because less overhead. Yeah. Yeah, that's how this works. Playing with people's livelihoods to... Make more money. Make more money. For the shareholders. For the shareholders. Yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, uh, this, I mean, th this is the most out of touch I've seen. I feel like I say that every time this kind yeah, of thing it happens. Yeah, gets, it's getting worse and worse. We're still in January. Yeah. This year, I think, this, is going to be this, worse than last yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is like the kickoff. I mean, there there were layoffs that were announced today that I'm just going to save for next episode. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll mention that next Some, week. Something's happening. Something big is, like, happening in the industry. Um, I mean, you know, most people blame, oh, we, we overhired during the pandemic. Yeah. And now... Well, we, we just had this big, uh, what are, like, what's it called? When the buyouts, like... Um, oh, lots of mergers, mergers and acquisitions. And, yeah, acquisitions, yeah. that's what I'm looking for. Whole industry acquisitions, like acquisition war yeah. between like Sony and, and Microsoft. Now that, and not just them, we have third-party like Embracer Group. Right. Um, also buying, gobbling buying up. up companies. Um, did Take-Two buy anyone? Uh, I'm not sure Take-Two's done any merging recently. Right. But the big names, the big yeah. parent company names. So, I mean... This makes me wonder, is Sony, is it just a matter of time before Sony announces some mass layoffs? I mean, we had Naughty Dog layoff people. Yeah. That was kind of a result of a project. I mean, that, yeah, exactly, kind of yeah. failing. But, um, I mean, we're talking like, wasn't it like 40 people or something like that? At Naughty Dog? Yeah. It was something really small. I mean, Naughty Dog probably doesn't have that big of a staff. I mean, not that... Those 40 people don't feel great about being let go. Right. But I mean, that those are sort of more normal, yeah. expected industry laughs. This is like, this is something yeah. else. Yeah, this is crazy. I mean, the numbers of some of these layoffs is just jaw-dropping, especially with Unity. Yeah. Like, that just... That, when has this ever happened before where they're just cutting thousands on thousands? It's, it's almost exclusively relegated to the tech industry. Right. I feel like the tech industry did most of their layoffs last year and then now the video game industry, it's which is part of the tech industry, right. is now doing their layoffs. Right. Um and you know, this from what I've been reading online, this disproportionately affected uh Activision Studios more than it did Microsoft Studios. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, um, I think we talk about like that. Like there was a little bit at like I think some of the Bethesda studios had a little bit, but I mean like some of these Call of Duty developers had like thirty percent of their staff reduced. Right. Toys for Bob, the people who made the recent crash games, mm -hmm. as well as the remake of the Spyro trilogy, they lost thirty percent of their staff. People were like, Oh my god, finally 
Toys for Bob will be able to make new Spyro games, new Crash games. Mm-hmm. And now they've just lost 30% of their staff. I don't know how optimistic people can be right. that that's what Toys for Bob is going to be doing. Right. Toys for Bob is probably going to be sent to the Call of Duty mines. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to be working on the big properties. I mean, I, I feel like companies... I, I feel like that's kind of the philosophy a little bit of yesteryear, back like... Xbox One era, and yeah. I feel like companies are getting a little bit more in touch with keeping people working on games that do matter right. a little bit more. Um, I mean, apparently Microsoft has like a thing where studios get to choose what they want to work on. Right. So people were thinking like, oh, okay, great. Some of these studios can maybe stop working on Call of Duty yearly releases and make something original. Right. Or, you know, because, like, Toys for Bob. Because Toys for Bob, after Crash 4, most of the team was sent to, like, work on... Or a lot of the team was sent to work on, like, gun skins and stuff for, like... Really? Like, how do you take the that team who makes those kinds of games and put them on that? Yeah, that's... Like, that can't be what they want to work on. That's some out-of-touch decision-making. Yeah. So, I mean, and now they're cutting 30% of their staff? That makes me worried about Toys for Bob and the future of, act, or you know, uh, Microsoft owning Crash and Spyro. Yeah, right. That, the news that's gets... That's scary. Yeah. Um, the news gets worse. Oh, yeah. So, Jez Corden, uh, managing editor of uh, Windows Central reports that Microsoft laid off nearly all of Activision's internal support teams and that Microsoft has shut down their their own departments uh, related to bringing Xbox games to retail. So, <laughs> if uh, that's not a sign that Microsoft is getting out of the physical games business. Yeah. So, and we're we, going to be getting that adorably all digital oh, Xbox yeah. Series yeah. X refresh. Ooh. Can't wait to not own my games anymore. We long sort of predicted that Microsoft would kind of be the leader in that direction, I think. Yes. Did I foresee it happening this quickly? No. No. I hope it backfires. I really I hope it does, too. I hope this, like, All of this. I hope all of this backfires. I mean, I don't want, like, developers to lose their job because Microsoft has decided to get out of physical games. Right. But, like... And buy up everybody else. Yeah. Like, this is scary to me. Yeah. This this is like apocalyptically scary. I mean, because Xbox might be the third fiddle in the video game war between Sony, Nintendo, Mm -hmm. and Microsoft. Right. But Microsoft is the biggest company on the face of the planet. Right, right. Um, So far, I mean, given everything we know so far, this is really just affecting the gaming section. But they have the biggest parent company for sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, so no physical games. So w- before this came out, it was announced that the new Senwa's Sacrifice games, I forget what it's called exactly, um, the new game coming from Xbox later this year, will only be digital. Mm-hmm. And last week they announced the new first-person Indiana Jones game made yeah. by Machine Games, the people who make the Wolfenstein games. Right. And no word if it's going to have a physical copy right. that would be a game you would expect to have a physical copy right right but chances are it won't now yeah i mean given imagine this... if like there's just no more first party physical games yeah like only third parties can choose to do physical games right for, for the time being until i mean they get yeah. rid of that. i mean maybe they maybe xbox is planning to outsource 
Imagine they hire limited run to like handle their physical business or something I like would, that. I would not. I would not put it past Microsoft like it, things to go in that direction. Just farm it out to them. Yeah, and then that just speaks to limited run getting bigger and bigger and bigger and becoming more corporate too. You know, I um, I I heard recently that Microsoft makes a large chunk of their studios um, contract. So they can only work for 18 months, and then they let them go. Mm-hmm. Basically, so they can... Some loophole to keep from providing so much benefits and things like that. Gotcha. So it wouldn't shock me if these 1,900 people being let go, some of them will be replaced by, like, contract employees. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Uh... Like, it fought, like that's why uh, it's reported that X, the Halo Infinite game, mm-hmm. that had, like, a very tumultuous development, and even now is, like... You know, it kind of came and went. You yeah. Know, no, like this Halo game didn't. Right. Didn't really do much for a Halo title. Yeah. For, a Halo used to be an event. Yeah. You know, and rumor has it because of their weird contract structure, mm-hmm. um, that's why the game. Because literally eighteen months, then all those people are gone. All their talent, all their knowledge is gone, and then you bring in all these new people, yeah. and you have to bring all of them up to speed, which yeah. takes a month or two. Yeah, probably. it does. You know, I just. I understand that, but I don't think these leaders do. I don't think they, like, they haven't been in the trenches. They don't know how muddy it gets. Right. You know, they just, I don't know. Now, you may recall, and this isn't on our notes, uh, but it's coming to me right now. Um, The last, or those past couple of years, there have been unions forming at Activision Blizzard. Yeah. And because of protections that union have with layoffs... None, no union employees were affected by these layoffs. Yeah. So all of those people were exempt right. from these layoffs. Then now that doesn't mean they won't get laid off at some point. Right. But at least for now, those people are all safe. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I would imagine maybe some employees are maybe wishing that their department had unionized or whatever. Right. Um. Yeah, that's to be expected. They're going to go the easiest path right you know yeah like oh why why go through all that we'll just you know right um, do the ones that are at will employees right exactly they'll, they'll be easy to to get rid of um so alan dilling uh now former art director at blizzard shared this story on his linkedin describing his how um how employees firing took place within yeah. the company and uh i'll go ahead and read uh his statement Still surprised uh, how we were fired via a pre-recorded Zoom video. Then immediately cut off of our Outlook and Slack, making it hard to get my team's contact info to keep in touch. Lacked class, um, lacked class and compassion. This is the art director <laughs> for Blizzard saying this about the company. Uh, there are much better ways to have handled this. To everyone that had to deal with this, never doubt your value as a game dev and as a person. You rock. That's depressing. Yeah. They don't even have like the the cojones yeah. to like talk to you face to face. Right. And they just said, Hey everyone, there's a meeting happening right now. Right. Here's a video. Yeah. Like Alright. <laughs> like so that just tells me that, you know, they decided this. A month ago or whatever. Oh, yeah. And this is recorded this. coordinated. Yeah. yeah. Mike Yabara knew what was happening to Blizzard. Yeah. Like, just, it didn't catch him by surprise. Right. 
It, it does seem like... But he'll go on stage and play it up like we're growing, the future's yeah. bright. Yeah, and when he probably knew back then yeah. that this was coming. Yeah. And that he would be leaving the company. Yeah. They're probably... They're, I don't think there's going to be a BlizzCon this year. There's no way. Um, If there is, it's going to be a very small one. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Yeah. So Blizzard has been working on this survival game for the last six years, which they just made public knowledge about two years ago with a piece of concept art mm-hmm. that they put out there to try to hire people. Like, hey, like draw interest, come work for us. We're working on this exciting new project. Right. That game got canceled. Yeah. And all of those people are gone. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't even know about that project. I was... Someone told me, um, who follows this Blizzard news, like, really closely, because they're a big Blizzard player, and they've been watching a lot of videos and reading from developers and stuff, um, that the apparently the only team at Blizzard that was unaffected by layoffs was the World of Warcraft team. That's the only team at Blizzard that's actively generating... A good steady stream of income. Mm-hmm. Apparently, a lot of uh, Blizzard's other games are, I guess, not just as steady of a stream. Like Overwatch Two has had a lot of problems. Diablo Four has had a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, so, but and then just know, I mean, a survival game is the biggest game on the planet right now. Right. And Microsoft is canceling Blizzard's survival game. Yeah. It's like, hmm. Yeah. I mean, people clearly enjoy that genre. Probably in favor of something that is. Just, you know, numbers-based. Maybe. Um, which doesn't... I mean, survival games right now are extremely popular. Yeah. So... I don't know. It just seems a little short-sighted. Yeah. I mean, it's possible the game might be still very long off, the survival mm-hmm. game that they were working on. Yeah, that's uh, true. But, I mean, six years of development. Yeah. Go, yeah, just cancel it. it. I. That's crazy. I don't know. They put so much... Those games have huge budgets. Oh, yeah. You know, especially, like, the the big I mean, it must ones. not have been coming together, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, with more time, it probably could have, but maybe they were just like, no, we spent enough. Or they're just, you know, we need to cut something. This is fat. Let's get yeah. rid of it. Yeah, basically. It's not part of an existing franchise. Yeah. Let's milk our existing franchises. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, last little bit here... Does- yeah. The um, so Blizzard has a new incoming president already. Now that Mike Yabar is gone, right? Um, so yeah, he he put out that out of touch, very out of touch statement, and he's gone. Um, so Joanna F- Faris, um, who is the former Call of Duty executive, was appointed on the 29th. today. Like today, as the so, new CEO, president of Blizzard. President of Blizzard. So, you know, congratulations to Joanna. Yeah. Um, I believe she also used to work for the NFL. Oh. I think I read that somewhere. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, You got a mess on your hands. Yeah. Joanna, so (laughs) good luck. I mean, it's ironic that someone who ran an Activision property is now running Blizzard. Yeah, that is crazy. That's got to be demoralizing from, yeah. like, Blizzard employees who really pride themselves on being Blizzard employees. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Blizzard employees historically have been very pro-Blizzard and kind of tribal. Yeah. You know? And, you know, it wasn't just... And Mike Ybarra, he was not an OG of Blizzard either. Right. He was an executive who was hired on. He was a suit. After other people were, you know, quit Blizzard. And, you know, there were other people at Blizzard this week, other very high up people who lost their jobs. Yeah. Um... 
or who voluntarily quit. Right. You know, maybe they cashed out and were like, I'm out of here. Right. Um, so it's, I mean, in terms of leadership, the whole company is a shell of its former self. Oh. No, none of the original people are there No, anymore. no, especially in leadership. Um, the blizzard of Warcraft 3 and those games, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. This is what it looks like now. Um, d- disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so do you want to read that last part? Yeah. So in reaction to all of this, I wanted to throw it back to a quote from the late great Nintendo president, Satoru Iwata, who passed away, I think, oh, I think it might be a decade ago, either this yeah, year or next year. A big, big moment. Um, the... so this quote comes from the height of when the Wii U was a flop and yeah. they knew it. Right. And... What did Nintendo do? So, Satoru Iwata was asked about, what do you do in the face of this, essentially? And he said, if we reduce the number of employees for better short-term financial results, employee morale will decrease. And I seriously doubt employees who fear that they may be laid off will be able to develop software titles that could impress people around the world. That's the right philosophy. Could Microsoft keep... I mean, I get it. There's going to be some overlap in marketing, HR, accounting. Right. Like, that's normal within a merger. It sucks that those people might lose their jobs. But could Microsoft have kept the 30% of employers or, you know, developers at all these studios? Yeah. Absolutely. So with... They have the money to do it. On that note, with some of these companies that we've talked about layoffs from, um, I I don't 100% fault the company... Especially if it's a smaller group, and especially if, you know, they, they're just, they have to do it, you know. There were some that just, you know, they, they need to survive. They need to not go bankrupt. Um, ones like Microsoft. There's no sympathy. Yeah, there's no excuse. No. To, you're just being greedy. Yeah. All these leaders at Microsoft who yeah. determine who is getting fired, they're all getting bonuses for doing oh, this. Oh, yes. Every single one of this them. This is, they're getting a pat on the back for cutting. We did feet. a hard thing today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Real hard. <laughs> Let's all go out for a drink. Yeah, here's a here's a $2,000 Cuban cigar and, yeah. you know, $500 whiskey. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, I wish more companies would look at things the way Nintendo looks at things. Yeah. I mean... I have never... Nintendo's not perfect in their philosophies. Oh, no. At all. No, not they do all. weird stuff, but... Their their perception of what the Western gamer looks like is still off, I feel. Particularly with Nintendo Japan, the where, like, 99% of their games are made. Right. And all of their decisions are made, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, no one has ever once heard of layoffs at Nintendo. Yeah. I mean, people get let go. You know, for maybe performance reasons, but I mean, we're talking like individual basis, right. person for person. Right. They've never been like, oh hey, you know. Yeah, they've sorry. never been nineteen hundred people goodbye. Yeah, ever. I've never, never seen that. Never. So I mean, kudos to Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I wish more people would follow. I mean, even though Satoru Watt is gone, this this is still true yeah. for Nintendo. His, they still think this way. His words live on. Within Nintendo. Yeah, there's something about, uh, I mean, whether it's Japan, whether it's like, I don't know, just like they acknowledge that like this affects people, this hurts people. Why would we do that? You know? I don't know if I'd say it's Japan because there are Japanese companies that will make these cuts. 
Um, yeah. I mean, I, but of comparative size, you know, like you can compare Microsoft's game division to Sony's game division to Nintendo's game division. Right. And then there's some third parties you could compare their game divisions. Right. In terms of size. Right. You know, like no one else is on their level, right? But Nintendo, again, n- Look at their entire history. They've, they've yeah. never done layoffs. Right. Every other company, there have been some kind of mass layoffs, studio closures, right. tragic things. I've yeah. never seen mergers with Nintendo either. Really. Uh, I mean, they have acquired. They have acquired development teams. Yeah. But I've never seen them just eat a publisher like we watched no. Microsoft do. No, no. Um, but yeah, uh, Nintendo has the right idea here with Iwata's words. And again, yeah, they were at their low... Like, the Wii U was, I mean, like, they've never had a flop like that. Right. I mean, you could argue the uh, Virtual Boy, yeah, but that's not really a they, mainstream They've had console. canceled consoles and stuff like that. Sure, but this is, like, something they came to market, they hoped it would be a huge hit. Right. But they had the, what was it, like a four-year console lifespan mm-hmm. before they they put out a new console? Yeah, that's true. I mean, that that's not nothing. I mean, yeah. And it's not like the Wii U was that bad there's quite an extensive library it's, i mean most know, of it's now for a flop right. console it's just, yeah it just the market it didn't take to it right consumers didn't want it right so that's why it was a flop not that the the console was bad right or the software was bad right the software was mostly quite good i liked it so much so that most of those games got ported over yeah. to the switch so that people could finally um, play them and there were some really good titles on it um, so I'm going to move us into the next piece of news here. Sure. So Nintendo announced, Nintendo's going to be in the news a bit. Um, they announced the discontinuation of online services for 3DS and Wii U software. Um, now last year, if everyone remembers, they rolled out, they started sunsetting this stuff. Yeah. Um, and they specifically they, the eShop for right. the 3DS and the Wii U. At a certain point last year, you could no longer add funds to your account. Yep. And then at a certain point, you could no longer make purchases with credit card, only with funds that were like added from a Switch. That wasn't that long ago. We talked about it. We talked about it, but I think for other reasons. Okay. Like, we kind of were looking back at it, I think. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, then, uh, and then they made it so you just couldn't use the eShop anymore. The only thing you can do on the eShop now is download previously purchased titles. Mm-hmm. And so now what they're doing this year is they're discontinuing the ability to play online, yep. to take part in any online, online features. Are gone. features. So competitive play, co-ops, any kind of rankings, in-game distributions, um, and even Spot Pass, which is this feature where you could have like software mm-hmm. sent to you or things that would involve like getting new puzzles for yeah. puzzle swap with right. street pass oh shoot that's gone now so if you don't have all the puzzles that they've distributed like you won't be able to get them anymore yeah wow um, um leaderboards yeah leaderboards are gone there they have said there are a couple exemptions there may be some developers who host their own online services for their game mm-hmm. those are very few and far between they didn't even have a list right. they just said check with the publisher of your game to find right. out if if they're on that list <laughs> right. um and you players will still be able to connect to the eShop and re-download any of their purchase titles that's not going away they say that's there for the foreseeable future quote unquote 
And lastly, two exemptions to this shuttering of the online services. Mm-hmm. Pokemon Bank and Poketransporter will continue to function, but may also end at some point in the future. And that's a quote. Will also end at some point in the yeah, future. Yeah, I, I was going to say, that seems rather optimistic. Like, right. they're leaving it open for it to never go away. I think they just don't want to say will. Because it just doesn't sound good. Yeah. They also warned that online services could cease prior to this date. Mm-hmm. In the case of, like, some kind of outage or issue like they said it it could just go down right and that would be it okay and i believe that warning applies to pokemon bank and poketransporter right i think why they say that is because the infrastructure that this stuff is running on is like really old Mm -hmm. like these online services so if certain things fail yeah they may not have the person there who made it originally and to know how to fix it yeah um, so it, when it goes away, it goes away. Get your Pokemon out of bank, folks. Yeah, if and if there's any business you have left to do in Pokemon Bank, well, you know, April 8th at 4 p.m. is when this goes away. Yeah. So we've got... We have some, a little bit of time. So All of February if, and all of March and a little bit of April. So we can still download the new puzzles for Spot Pass at this very moment. Yeah, if till, you haven't yet. Till April. Yeah. So you guys aren't quite SOL yet. Um, but and with Bank and Transporter, you know, supposedly this will continue on past April. But again, if there's anything, any business you have left in the older Pokemon games, I would not wait until they announce an end date. Mm-hmm. You know, because then everyone's going to be trying to do it at once. Yeah, it's going to go down for sure. These things are going to get crammed. Yeah. Um, it just sounds like bad news. So that's why I, that's why I took care of. Um, all my old uh, in-game trades that I've been working on in the previous yeah. in the previous generations games, because I knew that there was a new announcement from Nintendo coming. Right. I expected it to include Pokemon Bank and Pokemon Transporter, so it's good to see that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you know they warn you that it may also end at some point in the future, right? So I it mean, will. That's also, a warning. I mean, it's not going to be eternal. <laughs> we know this, but they're leaving it open for it to be eternal. Yeah, that's... by phrasing it that way. Yeah. I don't think that's what they're going for. I think they just don't want to say it will. Okay. I mean, I don't know why they don't say it will. Because um, it will. Yeah, it will. But I... Because it's too negative, I think. So, they've been doing this yearly roll... Like, for the last three years now, they've announced that some things are ending. Right. So, do you think that next year, they're going to be like, okay, now you'll no longer be able to access the eShop on 3DS and Wii U? Because that's what happened... In 2021 or 2020, mm-hmm. the the three or the, the DSR, no, the uh, the Wii oh. eShop or the Wii, I guess it's just called the shop. Yeah, the Wii the shop, Wii shop, I Wii think. shop channel. Right, that finally went down completely. Like you can't even re-download anything anymore right. from there. Can you launch it? You can launch it, but it'll just like this is the service has been discontinued. Gotcha. Um, did DSiWare get that treatment already? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, really, it's all, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if they left the Wii to stay alive for mm-hmm. re-downloads for like another decade past its sunsetting, yeah. I think it's likely that hopefully the 3DS and Wii U will be able to continue re-download things, yeah. but it will get to a point where you won't be able to re-download it anymore, and whatever you 
download it on your system is stuck there. And if your right. system goes kaput, yeah. you've lost access to all your digital purchases. Yeah, this is why we don't like digital. You don't When we say you don't own your games when you buy digital, this is what we're talking about. They, You don't own them. You're able to play them for a while, and then they will be taken from you. Yeah. And that date will be decided by the company that sold them to you. Yep. Um, yeah, you don't own them. I mean, that it's. I feel like it's going to be less, or I hope it's going to be less of a problem going forward. Right. As companies seem to be intent on letting you play games you purchased on, like, PS4, on PS5. And presumably, if you own those digitally, you'll probably be able to play them on PS6 and right. so forth. But I think my biggest issue with all this is that, you know, the 3DS eShop, those games aren't getting ported. A lot of us, a lot of them are not a ever going to A have, but you're absolutely right. You know. Most of them will never see the light of day. Aside yeah. from maybe some first-party Nintendo ones. Yeah, like they're literally just creating lost media with these games. Yeah. And it sucks. Unless you own it physically. I mean, even then, like, the consoles themselves are faulty. Right. After so long. I mean, like, I thankfully own (laughs) many 3DS consoles, so if I ever lose one... I think I have three. I am at least got five, because I have one of every model. Yeah, right. Um, Um, But it's, you know, it's just... For the sake of video game history and preservation, this is like the worst thing imaginable. Yeah. yeah. Um, whole store of games. It, you know, it'll be the worst when there is no more physical. Yeah. And your only choice is digital. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. At least we have physical right. for these for most of these games, for a lot of these games. Yeah, but some of these 3DS titles don't, like, the digital ones don't. Oh, yeah. They're too small. They're not, Yeah, you know. they didn't get physical, especially on the Wii eShop. They yeah. had, like, all those little Square Enix games, yeah. like My Kingdom or whatever. Right, right. It reminds me of PlayStation Mobile. Yeah. Those games are lost. Yeah, and there is a, um, a big effort to preserve a lot of PlayStation Mobile games. There's, mm-hmm. like, a scene. Uh, it involves, like, hacking consoles that have those games on them and, mm-hmm. like, extracting the data the, yeah, and the special file. keys and stuff. Yeah. Um, I know Seraphim, when I was more interactive with the Twitter account, mm-hmm. we actually had someone reach out to us. Oh, really? Asking for us to basically hack a Vita so that they could have an archive of the PlayStation Mobile game so people could continue to access it. I could just send them the file. It's You actually have to hack a retail Vita that has the game installed on it in oh, order to get, like, the it, Yeah, because it has, like, checksums and yeah. stuff. Okay. Well, um, I have it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know how... I told them that, you know, you probably didn't want to get involved with that simply because you're a partner of that oh. developer. Yeah, that's probably... Or that the, publisher. Right. Um, so, but maybe, maybe someone else will do it for you. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, it's interesting that there are digital archivists that are trying to preserve your game. Right. Which is kind of crazy to think about. (laughs) And it hasn't been that long, you know? Yeah. That is crazy. But I mean, we have the numbers for the PlayStation Mobile version. I have the sales report, the final sales report. Yeah, so you know how many copies were sold. It was 128 worldwide. 
Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's only 128 people out there that could possibly help to preserve. And I'm one and you're one. Yeah. Because we both have it. Yeah. Um, I do hope someone is able to help them at some point. I do know that half of that was Japan. Yeah. Half of that That's right. I remember we had a surprising number. I should say you. You had a surprising number of players. Um, I think the art style kind of speaks to them. I think it appealed to them. We're getting off topic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, So, do you want to talk about this one? Yeah. So, we've got another Nintendo topic. Um, It was reported by Bloomberg that Nintendo will launch a new console this year, no surprise there, with an 8-inch LCD screen. I like that. So, that's big. Yeah. Measuring diagonally, that would put this new console at having a 1-inch larger screen than that featured in the Nintendo Switch OLED model. Mm -hmm. And now the OLED screen is pretty big, uh, but this is 1 extra inch. There is still quite a bezel on the uh, the OLED model. Yeah. And if you don't know what a bezel is, it's like the area around the screen that's just like hardware or plastic right. or metal. It's... Most phones nowadays are made without a bezel, mm-hmm. meaning they're like screen right. to edge. It's or... the part of the glass that's black around yeah. the edge. Um, so I could see them keeping the same size and just, you know, because diagonally you only need half an inch in each corner yeah. to make that... Uh, that form factor fit. Now, 8 inches will be huge. There's going to be some disappointment, though, that they're starting with an LCD screen and not an OLED screen. I'm not surprised. Me either. Um, It's disappointing. I really hoped they would start with an OLED, that it would just kind of become the standard. Because, I mean, once an OLED Vita compared to an LCD Vita, I mean, the colors are total like it's that happened backwards that was a weird i know scenario. <laughs> sony launched the vita with an oled screen yeah. state of the art in 2012 yeah. oh and nobody, it, was, it was great yeah and then put out a cheaper model i guess sony had the opposite problem that nintendo had where they had to make it cheaper yeah right for people to buy it right rather than nintendo who was like people will buy it again mm-hmm. with a better screen right so why don't we go that route so yeah, Sony had the opposite problem where sales like kind of fell off a cliff and they had to find a way to make the Vita cheaper. Yeah. So, I mean, if you hold the Vita OLED to the Vita LCD in one oh, hand... Oh, it's night and day. Like, one way, the OLED model weighs so much more than yeah. the, the cheap one. The uh, cheap one feels too light. Yeah, it's almost like, is there anything in this? Is this a right. counterfeit device? Right. Um, so, you know, what are they probably saving? Why are they not doing an OLED model? Well... Because they know if they wait two or three years, they can sell the Switch 2 OLED mm-hmm. and people will buy it again. Right. So, I mean, this is, you know, we talk about Nintendo doing a lot of things right. And yeah. this is clearly them just taking advantage of their consumers, knowing that they'll rebuy the console again. Yeah, it is kind of, yeah. When it should just launch with an OLED screen right away. Like, there's yeah. no reason they can afford to have their consoles slightly more expensive. Yeah. I think they have enough goodwill that it, yeah. It could... Like, people are going to buy the next Nintendo console. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's $400. Or 500 Or 500 Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think we're likely to see 450 Yeah. I think that's possible. I mean, with the LCD screen. I mean, LCD screens have come a long way. Yeah. Like, if you look at the PlayStation Portal, 
It's a pretty nice screen, yeah, even that, though it's yeah, LCD. That's it looks true. good. That's true. I mean, does it does it look as good as an OLED screen? No. no I mean, it never will. No. But, uh, I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to be a horrifically bad screen. Right. Um, so, yeah, this is our first little piece of, you know, and this report is to be taken with some weight. Uh, Bloomberg sourced this information from a analyst who specifically tracks screen sales um, mm. from different companies. And so, basically, he has word that Nintendo has placed an order for something like 10 or 14 million screens. He must be in cahoots with, like, the manufacturer of the screen part. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit of inference maybe happening, you know, where it's like, supposedly Sharp is going to be providing the display for this. And uh, Sharp, I think, helped uh, with the screens during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, they switched over to using screens from Sharp rather than whoever their supplier was originally. Right. That makes sense. I That would be... So I don't know how good the screen is on the current non-OLED models, if it's worse or better than what it was at launch. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I she... mean, Sharp's been around a long time. They've they been, have. They've yeah. been in the game. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll bring you more as uh, Nintendo Switch successor news comes out. Yeah. Um, so another sad piece of news. Yeah. So like last week, we've got multiple rounds of layoffs to talk about here. Boy. All right. So this one is actually especially sad. Um, layoffs hit, uh, previously impervious game studio, Riot Games. Now, so far, Riot hasn't really jumped on the layoff bandwagon at all. Like they, they... They run one of the biggest games on the planet, League of Legends. Yes. And they make, I mean, that's like a multimedia franchise at this point. Like, they have Oh, yeah, there's TV shows. Books. Yeah. Um, um, and they're expanding that with, like, more games and right. ancillary products. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, so they're, they're laying off 530 people. And we have a lengthy statement yeah. from the CEO of Riot. You want me to read that? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So, uh, this one's really big, and so we might stop periodically to kind of talk, but, uh, you know, feel feel free to interrupt me at any time. Okay. Rioters, oh, and I should say, this is Riot Games CEO, Dylan, (laughs) Dylan J, let's call it, because I will butcher his last name, it's J-A-D-E-J-A, I don't know if that's Spanish or something, Um, so, and if I say it in English, it'll probably sound really bad. Yeah. So I'll just say, Rioters, today I'm sharing a decision we hoped we would never have to make it, Riot. We're changing some of the bets we've made and shifting how we work across the company to create focus and move us towards a more sustainable future. There it is again. This decision means we're eliminating about 530 roles globally, which represents around 11% of our workforce. 11% again. Whoa. Uh, with the biggest impact to teams outside of core development. This also sadly means we'll be saying goodbye to many talented colleagues and friends across all areas of Riot. I realize this is awful news to hear, and especially hard for those who will be leaving us. To all the rioters who are being laid off, we are deeply sorry that it has come to this. As CEO, I'm accountable for the changes we're making and where we're headed in the future, so I think it's important for me to share how we got here and how the next few days will work. Over the past several months, we've tried to alter our trajectory in many different ways. 
We asked leaders to make trade-offs in things their teams are working on. We rolled out hiring slowdowns and, in some cases, hiring freezes. We put an emphasis on controlling costs while strengthening our revenue growth, all of which has without a doubt been tough for our teams. But as I've dug in with leaders across Riot, it's become clear to all of us that these changes aren't enough. We have to do more to focus our business and center our efforts on things that drive the most player value. Mm-hmm. We're doing this for the players, yeah, oh guys. Yeah. This is about player value, guys. The things that are truly worth players' time. Unfortunately, this involves making changes in the area where we invest the most. Our, our head, head count. count. That, that's a dark word. To... It's for the players. Yeah. Just remember that as you walk out the door. It's for the players. Yeah. Um, okay, so right away before we move on, because this is a long statement he yeah, wrote. Yeah, we're about and halfway through. I will say I do appreciate the length. He does seem to actually have some sincerity. This doesn't strike... At, despite that it's saying the exact same thing as all the other CEO statements we've read over the past 19 episodes yeah. now. Um, this doesn't come off as that out of touch. Uh, I he In one part, he is taking responsibility. He is saying... Okay, I should mention that he became CEO very recently. Oh, okay. Back in September. Yeah, okay. This might not even have been his decision. I mean, it might have been something that was handed over to him. Like, hey, this yeah. is what we're doing this in has January. To, yeah. Here's your first task. <laughs> um, Figure out who we're letting go. But, I mean, I do appreciate him. You know, I have to give him credit because the bar is pretty low for these statements because sure. some of them have been pretty bad. Sure. Um, he says, as CEO, I'm accountable for the changes we're making and where we're headed in the future. So, I mean, that that is a him at least pointing the finger at himself a little bit. I mean, um, really, though, he can't blame himself because he's yeah. new. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's like he's just, I guess, pointing the finger at himself. But, like, everyone knows Yeah, this isn't on him necessarily. Yeah. Smart. I mean, smart 40 chess. I guess. Let, I guess. Let's continue. And let's let's see what else. Maybe Maybe our feelings will change. I want to be super clear about something. This is absolutely the last thing we ever wanted to do. A decision like this has a massive impact on people's lives and on the culture at Riot. We're not doing this to appease shareholders or to hit some quarterly earnings number. We've made this decision because it's it's a necessity. It's what we need to do in order to maintain a long-term focus for the players. Yeah, he likes... Yeah, okay, so his angle is definitely for the players. There's no way around the fact that this is an extremely sad moment. For those who are leaving, I want to reiterate, we are deeply sorry for the impact this has on you and your family. I can't thank you enough for everything you've done for Riot and for your dedication to players. Mm-hmm. We're committed to doing our best to support you in this moment and through this transition. I should mention I cut out a whole bunch of stuff where they talk about what kind of severance they're giving, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. Um, some of it is pretty generous they talk about like getting six months of pay mm. more if you've been there longer as well as a guaranteed whatever your annual bonus was the previous year yeah. you would also get that again that's pretty good considering you know most of these don't get that right and that is really nice that they're doing that right but i i read something from this developer on twitter and didn't work it right but he's someone who worked at telltale games mm-hmm. and he kind of has a 
interesting takes on when these layoffs happen. So I kind of am interested in his thoughts. He said something that was funny. He he said, as a game worker in the games industry, mm-hmm. you can't hope for a retirement plan. The only thing you can hope for is a good severance package. Yeah. That's a good, I mean, that's a good quote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think his name is, his Twitter handle, I want to give credit to you. It's J Jonah Johansson or Jonason or something like that. Okay. Um, shout out to you. Shout out. Um, for those who are staying, I know this is a difficult time for you too. You're not only losing coworkers and friends, but you may also feel uncertain about the road ahead. I want to assure you that our vision for the future remains ambitious. We will not lose our desire to dream for players. And as hard as this moment may be, we will emerge from it in a stronger place. I'm confident that by creating focus together, thinking long-term, and operating as one riot, we'll be able to truly make it better to be a player. Yeah. I'd like to reiterate my deep gratitude to all the rioters who are leaving. Your passion and commitment has been felt by the people around you and the millions of players we serve. It almost feels like this statement was written for the players. Yeah. So... Because he talks about it. I I cut the, the line out, but he talks about at the beginning where he's like, I wanted this to be private you know, just between, you know, us, but this was going to get out anyways. So I posted it publicly to our website. Mm-hmm. So this can answer their questions and they won't be, you know, tweeting at you or bothering right. you, whether you, you know, like what's going on. Right. Um, but yeah, I do feel like there was some intention with this statement, knowing mm-hmm. that it would be read by players. Right. Almost to brainwash players into thinking, right. this and, is good for me. And disguise this is really it good as, for me. Disguise it as like an internal document or yeah. something. Um, so that's interesting. Um, a couple thoughts. He definitely has an angle, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's, he's really... He's, mentioning players like 28 He's trying times. to assuage the players that this things are okay at Riot. Not the worst we've seen. Who was that other person that... It was about the community. He loved the word community. Yeah. One of the ones in the past episodes. Um, he just... Community. The community. The community. The um, community. Another thing I do appreciate about this statement, because I do want to give him some credit here, um, he's not ignoring or downplaying that this is sad and dark news. He, it's true. he, like, several of these paragraphs are about it, you know, being unfortunate and bad. I mean, I, I agree. It's one of the better, more clearly communicated, transparent, right. and, like, understanding that pain is occurring. Right. But it's like, you know this guy is getting all these pats on the back for, like, yeah. wow, what a great statement you put out. You yeah. Know? And I just... I really don't want to give this guy any pats on the back. I, yeah, I, I understand that. But, I mean, we also have to address the fact that these statements are so bad, you know, that, you know, <laughs> take away from the good ones what you can. Yeah. You know, um, but I, I, I understand what you're saying, yeah. too. I mean, he, he specifically says we're not doing this for shareholders. We're not doing this for Yeah, yeah, rate. there you go. I mean, but, I mean... Just because he yeah. says that. Right. You don't think this is going to have an impact on that? Of course it of will. Of course it is. Of course it will. Um, I think that Riot is a little more justifiable in having some layoffs than, say, Microsoft. 
You think? I mean, they're huge. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the amount of money they generate selling skins yeah. to people. Yeah, and the w- amount they make at their League of Legends tournaments and stuff like that, they get they get so much attention on right. the game. Yeah, I just, you know, I'd... Uh, I mean, yeah, they he talked about how they have a, this thing called Riot Forge, mm-hmm. which was this, like... Uh, arm of the company who is basically working with other developers to make some of these other games that are like related to league of legends or other projects they yeah. completely killed that team yeah like that's done yeah basically he, he talked about the stuff that i cut out he just talked a little bit about like we've grown too big we've expanded too much we're trying to do too much all yeah. at once and some of their other games that they they are trying to make a live service kinds of thing like league of legends have not been seeing league of legends like results mm-hmm. so i think this is maybe where this comes from you know riot has been rumored to be making a um, an MMO for many years. Many people from Blizzard over the last like decade have gone over to Riot to work on this MMO. Yeah. And we haven't seen anything from this MMO yet. And they are they are also working on a fighting game, uh, which they debuted at Evo last year as like playable for the first time. Yeah. And seemingly received pretty well. So I am curious if that team was affected. Mm-hmm. Is that game like done now? Just because they kill a team or a project doesn't mean they're letting those people go. They're usually moving them around. Mm-hmm. I think a large chunk of these 500 are coming from that. Okay. Yeah, oh, I like, see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. Like, you know, a, a bit, a big bit of that is from yeah. the Riot Forge. And, and an, an MMO project like that would... I mean, I, what's interesting about these layoffs is that when they're announced, it's like, it's not just hitting, it's hitting the employees almost at the same time as it's hitting the public. The public. Right. And so you can, you can go to Twitter and literally see like developers reacting like live, like, mm-hmm. oh, I lost my job today, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy how many developers are now going to be all trying to find work at the same yeah, time. If, yeah. It's, it's already shot. That's a nightmare. Like, yeah. The job market is already shot. With the amount of layoffs we had last year, and so far this year, like, if you're trying to get a job in gaming right now, forget it. You, you're better off starting your own project. Yeah. Because... Or, yeah, a new at least, startup altogether. At least there's a path. Right. With that. I mean, some people, some of these senior people who've been at some of these studios for 10, 20 years, maybe have, you know bank accounts that can support you know starting a new studio right or finding investors or they have the talent and experience where they can get away with that but i mean we've talked about this previously imagine you're new they're fairly new to the industry like right out of college or something yeah like or you've only been at riot for a little bit of time like that's got to be frightening like you finally landed a big job at a big company yeah and now three months into your stay you're being let go yeah and that i said it before but that was me in 2011. Right. Dro- dropping right into like a recession as like a college graduate. All right, let's take a break. We are back from our break. We got some interesting news over the course of our break. Mm-hmm. Could lead to some exciting stuff for the Bit Beacon. Um, so, you know, we might be glowing right now, yeah. radiating it's, some... We are excited. ...newly born enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, but we got two more stories to talk about, and this first one is all about PAL, PAL World. 
Um, Power World, we mentioned this last week, is basically the biggest game on the planet right now. Uh, more than 8 million sales on Steam, which is the big PC gaming distribution platform. Um, and it's the second game ever to hit more than 2 million concurrent players on Steam. That's crazy. Yeah, that's... We're talking about a fifth of the people who bought the game all playing at the same time yeah, worldwide. That's, that's crazy. And the the speed at which this game yeah not even a week six days to hit eight million sales for an indie studio yeah that's um so this game a little bit of backstory about pal world Uh, it's developed by a japanese company uh named pocket pair uh the game itself is often described as pokemon with guns but that is a bit of an oversimplification it is a survival game meaning you need to forage build and fight to stay alive but it adds a pokemon like mechanic in the form of capturable and trainable pals, which can help you in your fight for survival. Mm -hmm. But there have been many questions regarding some similarities noted between Pal World's Pals and Pokemon's Pokemon. Yeah. In fact, many designs are very similar to designs from Pokemon. Like, just way too similar like people have extracted the models from both the games compared them side by side right and it looks like you can see like identical edge flow going on with some of the models and stuff like they took one and just modified it yeah like uh very questionable like (laughs) not something i would be doing no Uh, and maybe they were in a rush to get this game out or they didn't expect this to happen maybe yeah maybe they thought they would be so i think that's the most likely possibility because you know you do this kind of thing when you have a pet project yeah you don't do this kind of thing when you plan on selling eight million right pocket pair is not a new developer per se though they do have some games that are released prior but this is definitely their first hit right um um i want to say i'll wait till the yeah. end yeah so pocket pair and pal world have now caught the attention of the pokemon company who released the following statement after receiving inquiries from the press. We have received many inquiries regarding another company's game released in January 2024. Notice they don't name the game for some reason. We have not granted any permission for the use of Pokemon intellectual property or assets in that game. We intend to investigate and take appropriate measures to address any acts that infringe on intellectual property rights related to the Pokemon. We will continue to cherish and nurture each and every Pokemon and its world. <laughs> That's such a weird And sentence. work to bring the world together through Pokemon in yeah, the future. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's such a weird sentence. That to is, end that. yeah, it's like, I don't know, it's like Pokemon are real yeah. the way they talk about right. them. Right. Like, they really, uh, like. You don't hear a lot from the Pokemon company, I feel like. You usually hear from Nintendo. They don't issue statements yeah. very often in regards. Um,. The only times I ever see the Pokemon Company issuing statements is when there's, like, some global tragedy and they're making, like, some yeah. donation to some fund to help victims. Um, but uh, if the, if I'm Pocket Pair and I'm reading that statement, yeah. they are now combing through my... They know that the Pokemon Company is co- yeah. looking at their yeah, assets. Yeah, they're data mining the game and going through it. Yeah, I mean, they don't even it. have to data mine. There's so many videos about all the yeah. comparisons and things right. out there. I mean, if you're Pocket Pair, what do you do? How quickly are you redesigning those pals? If Well, it depends if you know you're guilty and what you're guilty of. Could you imagine if they think 
I mean, I don't see how they're not guilty of some kind of infringement. Mm, I'll get to that. Finish. Let's finish this. This is largely the whole story. Okay. This is where we're at so far. So now we're oh, just yeah, we're, now we're yeah. just talking. Okay. So um, so here's my take, and this is my we might not see eye to eye on some stuff. I have a big issue with Nintendo and the Pokemon companies, pretty much specifically, but any company, feeling that they own the rights to an art style. Okay. Uh, that is not how it works. And I know, I know that if I made a game in the style of Mario, and it got this popular, I would probably garner some attention, you know, unwanted attention from Nintendo. Right. Just because of Nintendo's litigious habits and nature and the way that they are. Sure. Um, but lots of games, lots of indie games are done in the art style of something like Cuphead's is obviously imitating something. Right. You Cuphead know. is imitating 1920s, right. 30s, 40s. Right. I know it's not a, a perfect parallel comparison, you know, but you have indie games that do try to mirror and match. Like Stardew Valley doing Harvest Moon, you know, you know what I'm saying. Sure, I will say Stardew Valley has a unique visual identity compared sure. to. I, 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 I might not get my examples perfect, but okay. I try to understand what I'm saying. So a company just doesn't just own the art style for their game. Okay, you know, and if an imitator comes along, feel how you want to feel about that, but. They are free to do that. Like, they have an artistic freedom to do that. Now, if Pal World did steal assets and modify them, like they're actually stealing the Pokemon Company's polygons, that is infringement. Okay, have you seen Anubis in Pal World? No. It looks identical to Lucario. Just, like, some color changes yeah. and slight modification. I mean, like, some of them seem like... Some of them are very original designs, I'll say. Right. And then some of them are inspired by previous designs. And some of them look like outright, yeah. like, drag and drop. Right. Like, uh, stretch this out, stretch that out, like they, change the colors. They just replace the texture or something. It's almost like, was this a placeholder? Right. You know, like, you just put that in there until you guys came up with the design. Or uh, I get One it. of the designers you hired didn't really do any work, maybe, and just imported yeah. old stuff i mean they could blame oh you know we found that one of our employees stole designs we'll be changing those pals right and you know giving something yeah new so in, I, exchange. in in situations within pal world where they are guilty of like straight up infringement right uh as and the designers and then developers would know where those are at if they exist uh they should be patching that stuff real fast. Yeah. Like, really, really and fast. I'm not coming at this from the angle of, like... I mean, I love Pokemon. But I'm not like, oh, I must protect Pokemon. Right. I must fight for Pokemon's right. nurturing and wonderful world-changing possibilities. Just, I'm not a fan of... And I mean this in general, not just specifically with this Pal World story. But I'm just not a big fan of Nintendo... Constantly, like, thinking that they they just own... So far, the only legal action that's been taken is someone put out a mod for the game yeah. that literally, like, adds Pokemon and, like, changes the player character to look like Ash and yeah. things like that. Yeah, okay. They... Nintendo issued, like, a cease, cease and desist yeah. to, like, 
sites that were hosting this mod. Okay. Um, so far, that's all that's happened. That's a little more understandable. Because um, it, it is a... Although the mod is not a commercial product, it's a mod to a commercial product. So right. I, I can't understand it in yeah. this position. Um, but and yeah, I don't want necessarily to see Pocket Pair be sued no. or anything like that. And so getting to that, here's what I think. Okay. Um, I feel like if something was going to happen, it would have happened already. This has been in the news for several days now. It's been all like a week and a half since Pal World came out, I think. Right. Um, we know how litigious Nintendo is, and Nintendo owns yeah. a majority, I think, of the Pokemon company. Uh, and the uh, two... They own a third, a third. effectively. Okay. Um, the two companies are in the same country, so suing them would be pretty straightforward. Right. I do feel like this would have... We would have seen something. By well, now. I mean, not necessarily, though. I know they're probably gathering Right, evidence. they're just now looking at assets and things. Like, they haven't been able to do that in, like, a pre-release. It's been a few days since this story broke yeah, the news. Yeah, but I mean, to put forth a legal case, you don't just... You really gotta dot your T's and cross your I's. Yeah, if you think you have some kind of a legal case, right. then the Pokemon company is gonna do their due diligence. Right. Now, again, I hope it doesn't come to that. I don't want to see Pal World lose and Pokemon yeah, win. Right. Um, and, you know, I think it would be a bad PR move for the Pokemon company. Yeah. Pal World is huge right now. Yeah. People are like, and I don't like this either, but people are like, they're so in love with Pal World. Mm -hmm. And then they're going in the comments of, like, everything, like, Pokemon and right. all their social media, and they're like, this is crap, Pal World is better. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I mean, that's to be expected with this kind of situation. Yeah. Like, you're going to get these diehard... Every internet chud yeah. is playing yeah. Pal World right now. Right. Every degenerate every, every, online person. Every person who follows trends yeah, and plays is whatever. Is playing Pal World. Yeah, yeah, whatever the streamers are playing, that's what I'm playing. You're right. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Yeah, there are those people out there. Um, I think that the Pokemon Company's best move right now would to be sending a, a friendly letter to Pocket Pair, like out, like laying out their specific issues. We believe these this asset, designs exactly, infringe. Like these assets, we have a problem with. Make changes. I would not be surprised if Pocket Pair got that letter and said. Change everything on here. Yeah. Change it immediately no today. No problem. Do it today. Yeah. Um. So. And the game is technically early access. Yeah. So maybe there's an argument to be made, like. Yeah. Oh, you know. It's free, right? No. No. Oh. It's like thirty some dollars on PC. If you have Xbox Game Pass, mm -hmm. you can. It's part of your Game Pass subscription. Yeah. That gives for me. It gives a little more importance that it's actually a console title. Yeah, yeah as opposed it to does PC. have, you know, it, I wonder if it'll remain an Xbox exclusive, mm -hmm. maybe just early access only. Yeah, some engines, I don't know what engine is powered in, but uh, some engines only export to certain consoles. They don't all just do all maybe, consoles. Maybe, yeah. Um, Unity what... is kind of known for that, but they, like, I think Unreal does export to all three. Uh, um, Construct only exports to xbox um but anyways i'm off topic but yeah that's i i again i don't like companies thinking that they oh this looks similar to my thing 
Therefore, yeah, I don't, I don't think any of the outrage or the like questioning of like design is coming from like similar art style per se. Mm-hmm. I think it is coming from more of a like they stole our polygons. Wow, this looks yeah, this looks like Evie. Yeah, this looks like Lucario. Yeah, this looks exactly like this. Right, you know, like I mean, all and they just barely make it look different. And I mean. Again, things can be inspired by something, yeah. but like, there's got to be some originality Transformation. Involved. Yeah. I mean, copyright law calls it transformation. Okay. And yeah, you're right. Yeah. There, in some of these cases that I've seen, I've seen a handful, I mean, yeah, there's almost no transformation going on as far as I can tell. Yeah. I mean, like, again, they might stretch some some elements out to make it look mildly different, change the coloring. Yeah. But, like, that's all it, I'm it, seeing. It does, you know, and I can see a indie company like Pocket Pair realize that they need 400, 500 different monsters, and the easiest route right. to that <laughs> would be... Copy. To, yeah. To now, just straight um, rip models. I think there's only 100-something okay. so far. I, I don't Yeah. Uh, I think they're keeping it intentionally, like, low... Yeah. To start out with. <laughs> right. Um, and it does have like legendary, you mm-hmm. know, it's clearly taking a lot of inspiration yeah. from Pokemon. Right. Um, but it does work differently. You know, you can kill your pals, you can harvest them for meat, yeah. you can farm them. Yeah. You know, like yeah, for resources. You can basically That's Pokemon with a twist. Force them to go like do chores and things for you, like go cut wood, go mine ore. Yeah. You know, you can do that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, no, it's I, a little more bleak. I, yeah. I I get that. I get that they did change the atmosphere and change the mood of the game. Yeah. And give it more of a twist from Pokemon. Um, but it is, at the end of the day, Pokemon with a twist. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, things like Digimon yeah. have existed side by side with yeah. Pokemon with no... No animosity between the two of them. Right. But Digimon is not Pokemon. Like, it works different. Like, you know, the monsters work different. Yeah. The whole... The world works different. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, people aren't capturing multiple Digimon. Yeah, you right, have... Right. Now, some of the games have worked like that, where you do have, like, a party of Digimon. Right. But generally, the anime is, like, a, ta- a Digimon tamer has one Digimon that's, right. like, theirs. Yeah. And, like, they evolve, but then they, like, go back into their base form, that kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it just works differently. It's not like they're taking the world of Pokemon and changing the monsters. Yeah. I I do think it won't be too much. If anything's going to happen, I do think within the next two weeks or so, we'll hear. Mm -hmm. Either Pocket Pair will say, hi, we're going to have to change some of these designs, you know. Or... Maybe Pocket Pair thinks we're invincible right now. The world is on our side. Yeah, we don't know a lot about them. Yeah. We haven't really seen what their behavior's like, so... Because, yeah, there is a lot of, like, positive energy for Pocket Pair right now. Yeah. this discussion that's going on. Right. Like, where it's, like, people are, like, anti-Pokemon now because of Pal World. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. That's kind of stupid. I think it's probably people who have been down on Pokemon in recent years already for whatever reason. Yeah, so now, now, they, just now they have an excuse. Pal World has an excuse yeah. of like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever, you know? Right. Um, yeah, hopefully this doesn't turn ugly. I, I don't think, I don't think it will. I don't think it should. Um, but yeah, 
Speaking of Pokemon. Speaking of Pokemon, the, uh, if you, anyone remembers in a past episode, we talked about the Van Gogh Museum having a Pokemon event specifically and most famously for having the Van Gogh Pikachu with the gray hat, felt hat. Gray felt hat. They had a special card that they gave away yes. at the museum. It was a sought after promo that a lot of people got and a lot of people wanted. And you got me one, so I have it. Yes. It's an awesome looking card. Um, you should be jealous if you don't have one. Yes. You should go pay $170 to get yourself one on eBay. Yep. Good luck, guys. Um, so if you remember that story, it kind of got ugly at the museum where yeah. a lot of people didn't get a card that they were promised or the website shut down or you couldn't buy anything. So what it was originally tied into like doing some kind of scavenger hunt around the museum. museum. Right. But then I think they just made it a gift with purchase at the store. Yeah. And so people were buying like a all lot. kinds of gifts in order to get more of the cards. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been well reported on, but something that just came out yeah, so, is the fact that people lost jobs over yeah. this. So, um, the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam uh, reportedly fired four workers in connection with the chaos surrounding the gray felt hat Pikachu promo card uh, distributed at the museum. Uh, the four workers worked as security guards, uh, coat bag check attendants, and in the ticket office. Uh, at least one of the fired employees stole uh, stole an entire case of the cards. Yeah, they should so be when fired. We, when we were seeing <laughs> like people posting that they have like a like huge like I've got a hundred of these cards and I'm selling them. Yeah, it was probably that person. Probably, or people who got their cards from them. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see here. So, so. Uh, the other another example of someone who did get fired uh, was for simply telling customers the best time to visit the museum in order to increase their likelihood of getting the card. So basically, someone asked, "Hey, when do I come? When's the best time for me to come right. to the museum?" And I guess maybe he told enough people, "Oh, you want to be here at four p.m." Yeah, and maybe it caused like a problem, a problem. A security concern. Yeah, and I mean. I mean that is obviously very less egregious than stealing a whole case of yeah, cards. Yeah, I feel like this is like someone was probably trying to be helpful. Yeah. Which is what you do at like right. the ticket office once right, you answer right. questions. Right. But apparently it was a violation of... Uh, they were instructed apparently not to do that. Mm. Basically, the museum said that they violated some rule that they had instituted. Um, and it's crazy. This employee had been working there for 25 years, 25 years. Yeah. And your career is thrown away over a darn <laughs> Pikachu commercial tie in with your museum. I, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say this person shouldn't have been fired because I don't know. Right. But that is pretty harsh. Yeah. Maybe they were explicitly told, or maybe they found out and they said, stop telling people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know. There's a lot we don't know. I, you know, maybe people were slipping them $20 yeah. to tell them when the promo would be out. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, the card uh, will be distributed again, in fact. It's in coming back. In February. Uh, but as, not to the museum. No. At select stores in the Netherlands, uh, given as a gift when spending at least 30 euros on Pokemon merchandise. Yeah, I think I heard that about... I don't know how many stores, but each store would be getting about a hundred copies of the card. Yeah, 
Um, So, I mean, maybe more cards being distributed will help that, like, price come down. Yeah, well, for sure. That's how that works. But, I mean, let's say there's only 50 stores. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how many gaming stores there are in the Netherlands. No, I don't either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine it's a huge amount. No. So, I mean, you're only putting in, let's say, another 500 to 1,000 copies of the card. Mm, well, I'm sure there's more than five stores. Mm. Um, I Well, oh yeah, I, I see what you're saying. So, 5,000 to uh, yeah, okay. 10,000 more. So, copies. I mean, that that it is a rare card to begin with. Yeah. So, I think numbers like that could have an impact but it's just the netherlands what about the rest of europe what yeah about it, it is kind of weird that this is only like being redistributed well, the, in the netherlands the museum is in the netherlands oh well yeah okay yeah so it was originally meant to be for right, that for the area yeah but they did distribute the card in north america which was its own disaster from yeah. the pokemon center right um, and yeah i and, think in, the and UK in japan as well. right no japan never got this card okay this is a Western was, exclusive. It was a different card I'm thinking of because there was a incident in Japan that I think we talked about. Oh yeah, with uh, the the scream. Oh yeah, they did like a screaming Pikachu. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, so if you didn't get the card, you might have a second chance. If you're in the Netherlands, if you're in the Netherlands, if you're not, you might have another shot at getting it through the internet. Yeah, at a lower. I think price. it can be had easily on the internet if you're willing to pay. Right. But yeah, maybe the price will come down a little bit. If it is five to ten thousand cards, I do think that's enough to have. But an what's to stop some store from getting that box of cards and just being like, "Yeah, we never got it." Right. And then the manager or whatever sells them on eBay. Yeah, and that stuff happens with like promo items at GameStop and places like that. I think that's a really foolish move because they can find you. Like if you're selling a thousand copies of this card, like. You can be, tra- like, they can notice that. You're yeah, hiding, they can. They can. You know? um, but, I mean, people have done stupider things. Yeah, and if you're at a job you don't care about, then you're willing to lose it right. for like a lot of money. you're the guy being paid 10 euros an hour when that box comes in the store. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I might just take it and quit my job. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. And transmission. 